The Pinball Network is online. Launching Silver Ball Stories. Oh, yes. Hello. And welcome to my study. What was that? Yes, yes. We're still working on the studio, programming and the like. Thus, we have to meet in here. Cozy, don't you think? I thought that, since you were here, we would go back and look at some of the past episodes. And along the way, I'll give you some insider stories on the creative process. So, shall we begin? With this debut episode, For the Love of Creature, I was trying to work out how I could tell a pinball story with sound design, but make it creatively interesting and not so matter-of-fact. You know, to say like, oh, and it was raining outside, and then you hear rain. But I also needed to make the story quickly relatable, because they, they were fairly short and I didn't have a whole lot of time. So when I was scripting this episode, I kept hearing myself reading the exposition like Rod Serling from The Twilight Zone. And I thought that that vehicle of the familiar would give me a medium to quickly draw in the listener by touching on that, just a little bit of that nostalgia. And this episode was my first attempt also at seriously recording Foley. Let's take a listen. So it's early on a Saturday morning when I step out into my garage to start to work on my creature from the Black Lagoon. (sighs) Okay, let's get started here. Alright, now first let me move this rotisserie over. The playfield sat on a rotisserie covered in a layer of dust. Alright, so it's been a while. Okay, now let's grab some tools. I knew it had been a long time since I'd been out in the garage to work. But just how long hadn't dawned on me yet. How long has it been? Let's see, I I started disassembly in March or Feb of last year, so... Wow, about a year ago. Hmm. Well, thank God I took pictures. Now, where did I put that camera? All right. So I'm going to interject here because I realized in the previous statement I said I was trying not to be matter of fact. And there was a lot of matter of fact sound effects. You know, I move the rotisserie. There's the rotisserie sound. And uh, it's always interesting to try to find that right balance because I think this would work really well, obviously, as like a visual thing, like a YouTube show. But frankly, I don't have any of the video knowledge or filmmaking knowledge to pull anything like that off, nor do I have a a group of actors uh, to be able to do such a project. But um, so you're trying to walk that, that line between giving enough exposition through sound effect and narration to where the listener knows what's going on. Because sometimes, especially if you're driving in your car or whatever, you might miss some of the subtleties of uh, the sound design, which is why I, I generally recommend, you know, listen with headphones, you'll get a better experience. But anyway, we're moving right into the part where I talk about uh, 
uh, I do my sort of Rod Serling impression <clears throat> in a way, and then the uh, set up the the Twilight Zone bit. Uh, and it was interesting because the music that plays behind it sounds very similar to something you would hear on Twilight Zone, but it was something I had to write uh, because I couldn't find a good sample from the actual show. Josh Jacobs, your ordinary mild-mannered man, podcaster by day and pinball hobbyist by night. At this moment, there's a small amount of tension in the air of the garage, which will slowly grow to full-blown panic as Josh realizes his meticulously organized self doesn't exist in this dimension of Silverball stories. So sit back and listen to a man's slow descent into madness in a tale I like to call For the Love of Creature. Since Creature was disassembled, the garage had gone through some changes. Some new workbenches were bought, cabinets were put up, We basically redid the whole thing, and with that came reorganizing. And by now, I've forgotten where I've put certain things. Where the hell did I put that camera? Shit. Uh, let me go ask the wife. Hey, love? Do you remember seeing a small point-and-shoot camera out here? I'm not sure why I asked. No? I... No, I haven't looked in the cabinets, but... But I'll check. Thanks, hon. Is it in one of those cabinets? I know what's in the bloody cabinets. (sighs) Well, no worries. Hell, it can't be that hard to put back together. I know what you're thinking. Famous last words. So that part where I say, shit, and then you hear the wood dropping, that actually wasn't supposed to be in there. That was from a bad take and me cussing afterwards. But it fell in the right spot, and so I ended up just cutting around it and keeping that word and then putting in the falling wood sound to to make it work. And after this, there's like a little music interlude. And I remember when we first released this on uh, uh, for the Pinball Network, on Pinside... You know, I was catching uh, a little bit of shit from folks for having, you know, filler, basically. You know, and me, what I was trying to get across was that, you know, there was a change in time, you know, that it had moved from one day to the next. And uh, so I was using the music as kind of a transition, but it didn't come off that way. And then going back and listen to it, I can totally understand that. It just kind of sounds like, oh, here we go, just some random techno music in the middle of this story. Uh, But anyway, you'll notice now in... Uh, episodes that there's no music uh, as filler. Everything is, um, you know, encompassed in some form of sound design. Okay, let's back it up a bit. I bought the creature from the Black Lagoon in October of 2018. For that story of acquisition, go check episode two of This American Pinball. Now, the creature was in a pretty poor state, mostly functionally sound, but really, really dirty, and in need of a lot of general maintenance. 
So I started to take photos and disassemble the playfield. Now all of this was before remodeling the garage, so space was limited. And as such, some parts got put into bags and labeled, others just got a pick of where it was and then put wherever space was available. And like most things, disassembly was pretty easy. Before I knew it, I had a relatively empty playfield. From here, it was time to clean. So I removed the old mylar using the inverted compressed air method, followed by lots of naphtha and light scraping and scrubbing. However, more problems seemed to keep coming up. For example, some of the inserts were raised up, and during the mylar removal, some paint came off down near the bottom of the playfield. Ah, bloody hell. Luckily, I have years of experience painting miniature models, and I'm pretty handy with a paintbrush. The biggest issue was simply due to the fact that I was totally new to pinball, let alone pinball repair. And as my knowledge grew, so did the issues I noticed that I needed to take care of. Phew. Okay. Done painting that. Now to wax it up and put down some my... Uh, ah, it's... Well, the snack bar scoop is pretty beat up, so... I guess I gotta fix that. Okay. We're gonna have to order some stuff. We're gonna need some more Novus. Well, all of it. All the Novuses. Some wood putty. Bondo. Probably gonna need some new posts and some rubbers. And so, a long list of parts were ordered. And before you know it, they were at my doorstep. Ah, the parts are here. Okay, let's get to work. Warning. Bad 80s montage coming up. From yours truly, who can't sing. Put some Novus here and there. Just cover the whole thing in Novus. Now wipe it down and buff. Buff and buff and buff some more. More problems are arising. And he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Overwhelmed. Stop taking pictures. It seems like he'll figure it out later. And yes, for those that are wondering, that was Fight to Survive by Stan Bush from the movie Bloodsport. That song is the only regret I had for this episode. It sounded so much better in my head. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do like this montage of, of building and, you know, being frustrated about it. But I can't sing with a damn. And that's, uh, you know, it's totally apparent in that 
past clip. And so when I've gone back and listened to this episode, and I remember even after I cut it, I gave it, you know, a quality assurance listen and was just super cringe uh, when I heard it. And, uh, but I thought, uh, what the hell, you know, I'll, I'll leave it in there. Worst case scenario, somebody will get a laugh at, you know, my, uh, my fail. Shortly after the order from Marcos came in, life just seemed to get in the way. And me being a fairly one-track-minded person, I just got distracted with other things. And as the sands of time kept pouring, the days turned to weeks and months. And here we are, a year later. Only now, I can't seem to find that camera. Oh, this is bloody impossible. I think I've taken this ramp off at least ten times. How much could possibly go under this thing? Alright, I think we got it. Mm. Ow, my head! That head bump sound effect was take four of five of me actually banging my head at the bottom of my desk with the mic pointed at the top to get the right sound. By now, the situation is starting to feel hopeless, and my patience is wearing thin. So, naturally, it seems with every setback, I start to boil over. My thought behind this cut with the sound effects of the delayed voice uh, was... From the scene on planes, trains, and automobiles, when he uh, uh, goes to the car rental place and the bus drops him off at the rental lot, and there's no car there, and then he's like freaking out, and he's like, "You're messing with the wrong guy," you know, and shaking the uh, the ticket. He eventually throws it away as he has to walk all the way back to the main office at the airport. And so that's where the idea for this came from. So despite it being quite the puzzle, the game was mostly together. However, I'd still have to navigate through the never-ending sea of extra screws that obviously went somewhere. So, with a headlamp strapped on and a screwdriver in hand, I descended into the underside of the playfield in search of any holes that look like a screw may have once been there. It was a rather adventurous task, navigating the treacherous sections of the Upside Down. I believe Stern's Stranger Things was out during the time of this recording, uh, which is why this uh, segment got put in there. Although there was no demigorgon present, here I pressed through the unholy strands of wire that constricted my every move like a spider's web, straight out of Mirkwood. The worst was finding myself stranded at the same screw holes, simply because I was ill-equipped to handle the task at hand. Armed with only my screwdriver and a nut driver, forged with metal that, alas, was not magnetic. Ugh! 
freaking screws. Jesus. Ah, finally. I think everything's together. Whew. Now time to fire this... Ah, oh, come on! I forgot about the back box! Damn! Damn! Josh Jacobs, a man with a one-track mind who was laser-focused on reassembling the playfield, finishes only to remember the back box had water damage and needed to be rebuilt. And so, frustrated and alone, Josh continues to work within a dimension seemingly created to make him pay for his pinball ignorance. A dimension that could only exist in Silverball stories. Hey everyone, Josh here. In this episode, you heard how difficult things can get when you don't take the time to properly prepare for disassembly. So when you decide it's time to break down your machine, be sure to label all your parts in the order you take them off. And you could even go the extra mile and place them on a labeled sheet of plywood. Be sure to use plenty of Ziploc bags and label those accordingly. And finally, take lots of pictures and make sure you don't lose the camera. Follow these tips and you're sure to have a less frustrating time. Thanks, Josh. No problem, because knowing is half the battle. Silverball Stories! Silverball Stories is a Pinball Network exclusive. So the story you heard is predominantly true. Uh, the only thing that wasn't true was that I, I, I made the implication that I had built the back box myself with these saw sounds, and that didn't happen. I don't have the carpentry skills for that. I actually had someone build one for me. But, uh, but everything else was, was spot on. The, uh, the little bit at the end where I was kind of giving a lessons learned bit, I almost didn't put that in. But, uh, but I rather like, you know, one of the things I really liked about the, the series John's Arcade on YouTube was that he wasn't afraid to show himself, you know, making mistakes. And oftentimes he would screw something up and have to, you know, re-put it together. And as someone who's a novice to a lot of this, it's very approachable to watch somebody like that and realize, okay, you know, just because not everybody's perfect. It's easy to see pictures on social media and even YouTube and everybody gets it right 100% of the time. And then you think yourself like some sort of mechanical dink because uh, you can't seem to get, uh, you know, something soldered correctly or caps put on or whatever the case may be. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's sort of nice to kind of wrap everything up with a little tip at the end. So that was the first one for the love of creature. And now let's move on to uh, one of my favorite episodes, which was my homage to the 80s. It's a cool November afternoon. However, you wouldn't be able to tell by the current surroundings of fake plants and neon lights. A familiar jam is playing on the hi-fi stereo. And, sporting his members-only jacket, 
Josh strolls into the living room, his feet shuffling to the groove. Then the phone rings. All right, I'm coming, I'm coming. Hello? Hey, good morning. Is uh, Josh Jacobs there? Speaking. Hey, I have a pinball machine on my truck, and I will be in your area tomorrow afternoon around 1.30. If that time frame is okay, then I'll see you then. Awesome. You got my pin in early, huh? <laughs> yeah, like I got a couch and I got a whole bunch of other shit, and I need to get that shit out of my truck to go deliver the couch. Oh, well, okay. Thanks. Radical. Time to shift some things around in the arcade and make way for my new pin. So the voice of the delivery driver is actually my father-in-law. And uh, I got him to agree to do these couple of lines uh, as the delivery. He's got like one or two others. Um, And it took us like an hour and a half just to get those few little lines because he's, he's not an actor and nor am I, but I've behind, I've been behind the mic for so long that, you know, it's not embarrassing. And he was very nervous. Uh, And so it took take after take after take because he sounded so stiff in his delivery, the poor guy. And even that cut, you know, was like the, the me merging several takes together to try to get something that, that worked. Uh, but he got better, you know, as the day went on and we had to do some other lines, but it was certainly uh, an endeavor. But I, you know, couldn't have, it wouldn't have worked if I had to do like a, a goofy voice for it. So I'm glad he was able to help us out. Hello? Uh, okay, cool. Josh looks down to check his swatch. Yeah, I'll see you in a few. A short time later, the truck rolls down the street and pulls up in front of the house. Dude, this is gonna be awesome. Josh Jacobs is a rad dude with a totally awesome arcade, who, after waiting for a few months, gets his new pinball machine, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. And what timing, too, with the release of Alice's new album, Constrictor. Did you know he wrote a song for Friday the 13th? Sorry, anyway, Josh is super stoked to have his machine finally here. But that righteous feeling quickly turns into a bummer in today's episode, New in Box Blues. So another interesting bit, and the reason why I mentioned Alice Cooper's uh, album Constrictor was uh, because initially I had this idea of doing like a a contest uh, before TPF got canceled. I had, uh, I was going to bring a friend with me and he ended up not being able to come. And so I had an extra ticket. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, I can just give it away to somebody on the show. And so I got this idea to drop these hints of uh, what year 
that this episode was supposed to take place. So it's supposed to happen in the 80s, and there was a specific year that I keep referencing. Not all hints point to this year, but there's one year that stands out more than others. And uh, so the contest was going to be, if you could listen back to it and guess what year from 81 to 89 uh, was this supposed to have taken place. Uh, Another interesting fact is I actually have a members-only jacket. I wrote a ton of uh, synth songs. Most of the stuff you hear with the exception of, uh, what was it, Uh, We Danced, I think, by the Hooters. And then at the very beginning was uh, Toto's Africa, which I had to remake. Uh, But it was Toto's uh, song. Uh, All of these, I believe, are original to stuff that I've written. Um. And finally, to kind of set the mood for this, you know, because I always do a little bit of research to kind of acclimate myself with exactly how I want to tell the story and things that I want to add. And so I was watching a ton of uh, Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Even though that show takes place in the 90s, I had actually thought about doing a, you know, Parker Lewis Can't Lose uh, theme, you know, for for the episode. Uh, But I wanted to do 80s. And when I found out that Parker happened in the 90s, I was like, well bummer you know i'll have to just go to kind of like uh, de facto 80s uh, nostalgia land but that that was really close and it's been something that's been on my mind as wanting to do an episode of so in the future there may actually be a parker lewis can't lose style episode for those that have seen the show and know what it is hey brother where do you want this thing just wheel it in here sign here please okay thanks dude next thing i know me, the delivery guy, and two of my neighbors are playing volleyball in my front yard. And while volleyball was fun, I had a new pin to get to. No, we can't. We got it. I got some things to take care of. Take care of just one more game. Please? For me? Sorry. You're sorry. Come on. And with that, I said goodbye to the delivery driver. See you later, Goose. See you later, boss. First, let's put on some tunes. That tape deck sound actually came from my car, which still has a tape deck, believe it or not. All right, time to start unboxing. I'm sure you know this process well enough. Open the top, pull the legs out, cut the rest of the box. The unboxing went well enough. So far, so good. Cool, let's see what goodies are inside. Hmm, odd, no manual. Oh well, I'm sure I could write in and get a manual. Just have to pay for shipping and handling. Now you never know what can happen during shipment. So I tend to lift the playfield and check the underside to ensure everything is hooked up and no wires were loose. 
Huh. Where's the catch? As soon as I started to pull the playfield out, I was waiting for the slide assembly to latch and lock. But that never happened. What the hell? When does this thing... Holy shit! In an instant, the playfield falls into the cabinet. And Josh is going mental. And now, these messages. I bet that pizza tastes good. Now, some of you may have thought I was making that up, but that shit really happened. Uh, you know, when I got Alice Cooper, now granted, there's a there's a YouTube video I saw that talks about, you know, when you pull the play field out, be careful. There's like a nub or a little catch and not to go over it. Uh, but it's not like a traditional uh, slide lock assembly that you would see on most other pinball machines. Matter of fact, all others, I believe. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I got a brand new pin and I'm like, oh, hell yeah, you know. So I, I wanted to check the underside to make sure that there wasn't any loose wires or anything before I fired it up. And I kept pulling that thing back and I'll be damned if that thing didn't drop into the cabinet. <clears throat> and thank goodness, you know, there wasn't really any damage other than the bit that I talk about here in a minute, which was on the, uh, the side art, not the side art, but the inner blade decals. And, uh, but yeah, that scared the shit out of me <laughs> when it happened. So I was thankful that um, nothing major uh, was broken. Just got really lucky, I suppose. And now, back to Silver Ball Stories. Whoa, total wipeout. How did this bloody thing get off the slide rails? After successfully lifting the playfield and putting them back on the rails, Josh, with a totally spazzed out look, looks under the playfield to, like, check the damage. Dude, that was a gnarly drop. Gnarly indeed. But lucky for me, everything looks fine. No damage at all. Tubular. With a sense of relief, Josh inspects the topside. Well, nothing here, but... Ah, oh, damn. The side blades took a pretty harsh gash to them. Luckily, it was mostly over a tree which is black. Nothing a little paint won't fix. Wow. And here I thought this thing was going to be totally wasteoid. And so, with a little paint, the pin was mostly unscathed. And in the arcade, no one would never notice any irregularity with the blades. Whew. That was a close call. Okay. Now on to putting the machine in the arcade. Now getting the machine into the arcade is still a major bummer. At the time, and mind you this was before I changed out the door to enlarge the entryway, the arcade door was too small to fit the pin with the back box still attached, which meant I'd have to label all the wires in the back box and pull it off and then reassemble once I got it into the arcade. Okay, now comes the busy work. Okay, let's see. I'll put driver board, J5. This one here is J7. Okay, J3. And this process continues until all the wires are labeled. Alright, now for the back box. 
Almost there. Let's get the dolly and get this baby parked. Once reassembly was complete and the glass was cleaned, it was time to turn it on. Hey, Hal. Yes, Josh. Turn on the neons and some tunes, please. What would you like to hear? Hmm. How about First Love by Jim and the Holograms? Certainly, Josh. Thanks, Hal. You are welcome. Now, for those listening with headphones, so the song that's coming up was not written by Jim and the Holograms, which was an 80s cartoon, but by me. And when I write songs sometimes, I often think of a situation uh, or a scene in my head, and then I'll write music to accompany that. And in this particular one, because I knew I wanted to do kind of an 80s thing and I'd been watching Parker Lewis, that I wanted to do like a high school dance kind of vibe and have that kind of sort of slow jam that you would hear at one of those kind of places, like in a film. And the this was the song that came up with it. And I wanted to use that song in this episode, but I really didn't have a good way to interject it because the story was about me pulling the playfield out and the playfield dropping. And then so I thought about, okay, you know, I can come up with this sort of scenario where I'm looking at the pen and the pen looks lovely and equating that sort of feeling of, of sort of pride and excitement as I, you know, uh, as uh, you would if you were at a dance with a girl, uh, you know, like your high school sweetheart or middle school or whatever the case may be. I want you to close your eyes for a second and think about your high school sweetheart. You know, the one you took to the dance. This is what the feeling felt like when I looked at the pin in the arcade. Wow, you look like so righteous. So there she was, lined up next to Monster Bash, her legs covered in blue powder coat with the glistening body of a butter cabinet. Ah, my God, she was a sight. And so, I slowly walked up and gently put my hands on the sides of her waist. It was our first date together, and we were both ready for that, you know, first kiss. I mean, first coin up. I looked deep into her eyes and pressed the start button. Then she whispered softly, It's feeding time. And the rest of the night, basking in the glow of neon, we danced. everyone. I just want to say thank you for such a great show tonight. And remember, the next time you get a new inbox pin, be sure to look for the basic mechanisms attached so you don't run into a harsh sitch like I did, bound to make you barf. Read the manual if you got one, and just be careful. Alright, 
Thanks for tuning in and good night. Silverball Stories was filmed in front of a live studio audience. Brought to you by the Pinball Network. And produced by Double J Productions. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. So that music at the end came from a, uh, it was like a free sample library of royalty-free uh, music that came from uh, Pro Tools. And it sounded to me, when I heard it, I was like, oh, this is sounds just like, you know, the end of uh, like the 80s Saturday Night Live or like one of those sitcoms. I mean, it just had that perfect vibe to it, which is why I did that little bit where it's like, you know, filmed live in front of a studio audience. And it was then that I got the idea that, you know, I was like, okay, for another Silver Ball Stories episode, I really want to do like a sitcom parody. And uh, just, it wasn't the very next episode, but episode number four, The Pendersons was when, uh, when I was able to get that done. Uh, but the idea came from from that song and uh, that episode, or this episode. So, uh, so that pretty much wraps it up for this. I'm only going to tackle the first two episodes because I don't want this. Uh, we're already at like 37 minutes, and I don't want it to get super long. Uh, I may do, depending on the feedback. If you know, feel free to post something on Pinside or to shoot an email to uh, to TPN. And uh, if you want to hear another one of these. Uh, with a little bit of background commentary, I'll be happy to do the uh, third and fourth episode at a later date. Uh, next month, uh, we've got a really big project that I'm, I'm working on for the next Silverball Stories, which is going to be uh, really awesome. It may even be um, a two-parter. It just kind of depends on, on how it goes, but it's it's going well. I just didn't have the, the time with the studio changeover to cut it and get everything ready uh, in time for this month, which is why uh, we've got this sort of uh, clip show, if you will. Uh, so if you want to hear more, let me know. I'll be happy to do another one. And if not, if you think it sucks, then feel free to mention that as well. And uh, there won't be. So anyway, I appreciate you guys listening and sticking by uh, while I've gone through this sort of transitionary period with the uh, upgrading the studio and everything. And we'll be back to our normal uh, Silverball Stories fun next month. So thank you for listening and have a good night.